Hi, I'm Guy. I have quadriplegic cerebral palsy, and Johnny is one of my carers. Please, help me and sign up to bitrom.com slash my Star Wars life debt, so he can stop talking about Star Wars to me. It would mean a lot to me. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Life Dead Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Young. And this week, we're going to take a look at a, a book and a toy. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, check out some business. If you want to visit the blog, head on over to mystarwarslifedead.com. You can find uh, the Facebook page on facebook.com forward slash Life Dead Blog Pops. Follow me on Twitter at bloodyom, W-O-D-Y-O-R-M-E uh, Instagram.com forward slash My Star Wars Life Debt and at My Star Wars Life Debt at Threads.com Still getting used to that one. Um, and if you'd like to send um, if you'd like to send an email or a voice note you can do that to Podcast at Outwork.com and if you want to uh, support the blog and podcast, you can head over to coffee.com forward slash my Star Wars Life Debt. That's ko-fi.com forward slash my Star Wars Life Debt, where you can donate to the blog and also pick up a couple of digital uh, merch uh, bits and bobs. Uh, you've got the breaking uh, the My Star Wars Life Debt holiday special like a breaking of a fan and you can also get the first season of Yub Nubbin a life debt podcast where I watched the first season of the Ewoks animated series and season two is in the uh, it'll be coming to the coffee store soon now if you'd like to sign up to our patreon that's patreon.com forward slash my star wars life debt where you can get onto a bunch of perks. You get ad-free blog posts and ad-free podcast episodes. Uh, you get your name in the shiny, shiny lights over on the thank you page of the, um, on the blog. And guaranteed email is pretty sure that's on there. And you get the digital copy of the Life Debt Holiday Special, like in Breaking of a Fan, and the full series of the Yub Nubbin on Life Debt Podcast. But yes, that is all of season one and season two. Uh, so yes, that's patreon.com forward slash nice dolls life debt. Now, let's jump into the show proper. So let's get into the first part of the episode. It is uh, The High Republic Path of Vengeance by Cavan Cavan Scott Review. Phase two of The High Republic comes to an end, not with a whimper, but a mind drop of nuclear proportions. 
Continuing the story of Mardoro, the guide of the open hand, the Justina Island and Tessa Grattan's path of deceit, starting during the Battle of Jeddah and finishing in the aftermath of the events of Cataclysm, Tavern Scott weaves a wonderful tale about Marda's continuing search for acceptance within the community she holds so dear, a new developing romance and a betrayal by the one she most looks up to. We really get to see what puts Marcia and Rose's ancestor onto the path that led to the Nile. Whilst the main focus is on Marda, we also get more of her cousin, Yana Rose, who was seemingly killed on Jeddah after the Herald was taken into custody during the battle where they were searching for secret artifacts for the mother. She breaks the herald out and the two of them make a plan to return to Dalna and get their revenge on the mother for abandoning them. Representing the Jedi, we get Mattia Cathley, a twilight padawan who joins Jedi Olivia Zeveron on a trip to Dalna to investigate the path of the open hand and their involvement with the Battle of Jeddah. Nathaya is a great character who Kevin Scott created for the High Republic Phase 2 comics run, which is a series I'm going to binge when I can get a chance to buy the collected editions. Path of Vengeance is a chunky book, especially when compared to the other YA novels in the High Republic, and it's paced so brilliantly. As a read, we barely get a chance to breathe as Scott throws us into a whole bunch of deep ends for all of the characters, even Nathaya whose story doesn't have half as many twists and turns, or even action, as Marda or Yana's stories. Her story focuses more on her mental state, after the death of her master, and being sent with Olivia, whom she feels is distant and uninterested in the young Jedi's presence on the mission. Kevin Scott really shows his Star Wars geek uh, level in this novel, with some Legends deep cuts, including Salonian, essentially a sentient space weasel from the Corellia trilogy, and of course the inclusion of Aleppi as reference to Jackson, whom Scott reintroduced into the canon. The third act focuses on the Knight of Sorrow. This time, unlike Cataclysm, focuses predominantly on members of the Path of the Close Fist, formerly the Path of the Open Hand, and we actually get to see how the cult changes, and fills in a lot of gaps that occurred in Cataclysm, where characters came across various husks of dead Jedi, and the sheer number of the nameless that were spotted during the battle. Talon Scott's conclusion to Phase 2 really brings this part of the series together. He connects this novel to all of the different parts of this phase, and it's mainly one to dive into the two middle grade books, which, after not really clicking with them from Phase 1, decided to leave them by the wayside this time around, and of course, I am dying to pick up the comics. And once again, Talon Scott proves himself to be a top tier author, and having him be part of, um, sorry, and having him be one of the architects of the High Republic is truly a blessing for the fans. And next up, we're taking a trip to the Collection Corner to have a look at Ezra Bridger, the Black Series figure review. So given Hasbro's ability to put figures out in a timely fashion to coincide with new releases, I'm sure that we'll get the new Ezra figure from the Ahsoka series in a couple of years. However, let's talk about Ezra from Star Wars Rebels. Now this was the second version of the character that Hasbro has put out in the Black Series, and like the rest of the Ghost Crew, this is a great looking figure. The, the translations were more realistic look that the Black Series is known for um, is a great one. 
especially for a character that at the time had no live action counterpart. Uh, the figure is based on Ezra's season 2 look, like the rest of the Rebels characters that were released as part of this wave. The costume is recreated accurately, and the inclusion of the cadet helmet that he steals is a fun accessory that fits with the character at this point in the timeline. Ezra also comes with his unique lightsaber that doubles as a blaster. The one included with the figure seems to have a few more details than the animated show. Uh, that the animated show doesn't feature, but added detail isn't something to moan about. The lack of soft goods really benefits this figure. His vest could have been fabric, but keeping it as a moulded garment works so much better. I'm still not a big fan of soft goods on figures, as they quite often don't complement the figure, in my opinion. The box art is absolutely stunning. In fact, I feel that the box art looks better and is a better representation of the character than the figure itself. But that's not a dig on the figure. It's just that the art, for me, is a slightly better representation of the animated character in a realistic way. And the inclusion of the pergil is a nice touch, given their part in season two. It also has a display of the character's fate in the final season. It's a great looking figure in beautiful packaging, and I'm absolutely gutted I don't have these on display anymore after having to move out of the office. However, I'm looking forward to, in time, finding somewhere I can put these figures on display once again. Hey there everyone, before we get into the show, I just want to shamelessly self-promote coffee.com forward slash my star wars life debt uh you can join up as a member you can do a one-off donation or you can pick up some of our digital stuff on the merch store which is right there on coffee.com forward slash my star wars life debt so please head on over there check it out if you want to support the show and the podcast thank you very much guys now let's get on with the show and whilst I was there, I figured let's just keep up to date with the blog. So here is my review of Star Wars The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Rebus. Trepidation. That was the feeling I had when I heard about this book. Firstly, I didn't really enjoy Beth Rebus's previous entry to the galaxy far, far away. Rebel Rising, the YA novel about Jin Erso, between being rescued by Saw Gerrera and when she was imprisoned by the Empire. Secondly, I really wasn't sure I would enjoy what could be an advert for the Halcyon Legacy Hotel. Like Black Spire by Delilah S. Dawson and Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova were when Galaxy's Edge first opened. And thirdly, Dave Wolverton's The Courtship of Princess Leia is a classic from the old expanded universe and is about to get released as part of the Essential Legends collection. And I really wasn't sure on how kind of like a, a direct reboot of that book would pan out because of its uh, classic status. So was my trepidation valid? As usual, no. Yet again, I finished the book, well, audiobook, 
thinking that I really need to just give up having opinions on stuff I haven't read or listened to. Because the Princess and the Scoundrel took all of my preconceived notions, chewed them up, and spat them out down the Sarlacc's throat. The Princess and the Scoundrel is not a remake of The Courtship of Princess Leia. And in fact, I have no idea why I even considered that. Did Star's Aftermath have any sorts of similarity to the Curse of Akira? Not at all, as far as I know. Has Luke fallen in love with the disembodied spirit of a Jedi lost for hundreds of years inside a shit computer? From Children of the Jedi? Not at all. What I'm trying to say here is, we're not remaking the old Legends timeline. The Princess and the Scoundrel is its own thing from top to bottom. The Han and Leia whirlwind romance is a far sight more believable than the two of them waiting a couple of years and another potential suitor coming along that makes Han get his backside in yet. Leia using her honeymoon as a New Republic PR stunt at the behest of Mon Mothma is completely believable. Han and Leia spending their honeymoon doing their own thing half the time and bickering for most of the other half is the most Han and Leia story that could be told. Beth Reavers really manages to write both Han and Leia as they are on screen. There isn't a single moment that made me think that anything they did was remotely out of character, something that can easily happen in time material. Reavers also brilliantly brings the Halcyon legacy to life. The Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel from Disneyland makes an incoming appearance and becomes the main setting for the bulk of the book. And not once did it feel remotely like an advert for the attraction. Unlike the use of Batu in Timothy Zahn's Thrawn Alliances, where Lucasfilm made the request of Thrawn and Anakin visit the setting for Galaxy's Edge for a portion of the novel where the two are on a planet, or the whole menu from Ogre's Cantina appearing in Blackspire. There are some wonderful moments in the book that really resonated with me, especially when Leia feels a call through the force and makes her way to the funeral pyre where Luke cremated Darth Vader. For a good part of the book, we get Leia's thoughts and feelings on the revelation of her parentage, and her coming to terms with it is really well done. Even her confession to Han about her birth father's identity really feels like you're experiencing the scene on screen. Revis compliments the depiction of Leia with the spot-on depiction of Han. The cantankerous smuggler with a heart of gold goes from scene to scene like an emotional roller coaster, smiling and joking with a group of fellow Sabbath players, to threatening to just send one of them off the ship in an escape pod, commenting on kidnapping Princess Leia for ransom money. Despite the fact that this character had very little in the way of kidnapping skills in his scenes. The Princess and the Scoundrel is one of those great Star Wars novels that really gives us a brilliant story, connects with a number of other works from the franchise, check out the Shattered Empire miniseries and novel, and slots into the overall timeline with days to spare before Han and Leia end up going their separate ways in the aftermath of the Battle of Endor. And I'm sure that in a few books' time I'll be eating my words after having uh, trepidation about another story. So there we go. All the reviews are done. Let's jump into my week in Star Wars. In just a second.